Hello, Marion. Indiana Jones. Always knew someday you'd come walking back through my door. Well, I just fell in love with her immediately because when I auditioned, I was given the scene in the bar mm. where Indy comes in and I, I um, punch him in the jaw and, and you know, refuse to uh, tell him that I have the medallion. And I just thought she was the best character I had ever read. I, I thought, you know, I, I thought... Can there be a better introduction to a character than sitting opposite this 300-pound mountain man in Nepal drinking him under the table? I just... So I was, I was sort of in love with the character before I read the film. And I felt fiercely protective of her once we started shooting. Um, I felt like I had this sort of sense of who she was. And, um, you know, I just... Whenever she was... Passive, or whenever there was a moment where nothing had been written, I just wanted her always to be on her toes, like ready to spring into action, ready to, you know, jump for the frying pan or the large object that she could smack somebody with. Well, Jones, these Jones forgotten how to show a lady a good time. Boy, you're something. Yeah, I'll tell you what. Until I get back my five thousand dollars, you're gonna get more than you bargained for. I'm your goddamn partner. Students at Marshall College, welcome to our third month of Indie Year here at Blast Points. This is Jason. And this is Gabe. And it's March Indie Month already? Crazy. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's just crazy and just that it's March 2021 already. And I feel like we were just doing Soggy Year, right? Shouldn't we be doing Revenge of the Sith Soggy Year still? Is that, is that, are we still doing that? I think so, right? We have Clone Wars next month. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. <laughs> yeah.
But yeah, we got a special treat for all of you this month where we got the chance to talk to Amy Rikau about the women of Indiana Jones, where you should know Amy from her website, 365 Star Wars, 365 Star Wars Women, recently published the book, the official Star Wars book, I Love You, I Know. She used to work at Skywalker Ranch, like in the film preservation lab. What hasn't Amy Rakow done, basically, is what we're saying. Yeah, and she was gracious enough to help us make the wonderful connection with Tom Bagley. Yeah, no big deal. She wrote an article about the Star Wars radio dramas for Star Wars Insider, as people do. <laughs> and yeah, when we started planning Indie Year, like I think last year, she reached out, out to us on Twitter and was like, I want in. It was just a given that yeah, I, I, we wanted to do an episode about the, the women of Indiana Jones, and she was the perfect choice. And yeah, what we, you're going to hear as you listen to this episode, my mind is still spinning from the amount of information you are about to hear Amy give us about the women of the Indiana Jones saga. She covers it all. Raiders, Temple Doom, Young Indy, the books. The books, the comics. An incredible observation about the video games that never crossed my mind and is really kind of amazing. Yeah, so enough of us talking about it. Why don't we listen to the time that we got to talk to Amy Rakow about the women of Indiana Jones? Let's talk about some, maybe your first exposure to Indiana Jones. When did... uh, what, what, what's your history with uh, with Indy? Yeah, so I was trying to figure this out. I don't remember seeing Raiders of the Lost Ark in a movie theater. I'm pretty sure I did, but I don't remember. I remember seeing it in a re-release. But to me, like Indiana Jones is heavily, heavily tied to my relationship with my father. And because he really loved movies, he introduced me to a lot of classic movies and he loved Indiana Jones and almost all, you know, most Steven Spielberg films like Close Encounters, like these are films that we would kind of see together. And so I know that like I have a memory of seeing a re-release of Raiders of the Lost Ark with him. But one of my first real memories of like just totally loving Indiana Jones is seeing uh, Temple of Doom uh, opening weekend. I remember who I saw it with, Karen Fossen. Karen, if you're out there, hello. And we, it was like a movie palace in Billings, Montana. There was one like really cool movie palace. And I was sitting, we were sitting in the front row of the balcony, had a huge thing of popcorn. And one of the jump scares or like the main jump scare in that film scared me so much that I like launched my popcorn and like half of it went over the balcony. <laughs> And I, like, never recovered from, like, laughing about that. I mean, but, like, it was such a funny, like, you know, in-theater, like, experience that, like, it is one of my, like, most memorable theater experience is. And then, see, I remember seeing uh, the third one, uh, The Last Crusade, with my father on opening weekend. And I saw some guys from high school, because I was in high school at the time, and I remember being embarrassed that I was seeing the movie with my dad, which I shouldn't have been, but I was. Um and then what's funny about that is that I ended up marrying one of the guys who, <laughs> who was in the lobby who I was embarrassed to see. Um, and so I really can track, like, you know, like, growing up, like, I mean, Indiana Jones, like, that was, you know, just like seeing Star Wars films, like, going to see an Indiana Jones film was just, like, you know, it was it, it was something that you don't, you don't want to always do, but it really was 
I really like, I can't think about Indiana Jones without thinking about my own father. Um, because if he could live his life again, he would work for Indi- Industrial Light and Magic or be Indiana Jones. <laughs> and so that really is kind of how I became a fan. It's just kind of growing up with, with those stories. Oh, that's wonderful. I love that. That's so good. So we're here today, as people have probably seen when they started listening to this episode, we're talking about the women of Indiana Jones, the women of the Indiana Jones, everything, not just the films, everything. And kind of broadly, it's it's an interesting history, kind of to say the least. It's 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 good and it's it's creepy and it's unfortunate and it's great. <laughs> All it was <laughs> <laughs> look into it. It's the full spectrum. I know, yeah. <laughs> When I for sure, like, I love the Indiana Jones movies. I love, you know, a lot of the, like, the, you know, EU content, like, they, like, came out with it. But, like, I also can look at it and be like, hmm, like, I mean, I think I told you guys right before we started, like, my 13-year-old daughter asked me what I was doing yesterday because I was surrounded by Raiders of the Lost Ark and, like, Indiana Jones books and, like, watching a random, you know, Indiana Jones movie. She's like, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm going to be on this podcast tomorrow talking about the women in the Indiana Jones and she just immediately, like, you know, came out with, she's like, yeah, well, there's not that many of them. You know, like, and I was just like, eh, okay. <laughs> you know, like, I was like, so I guess my, maybe this will be a five-minute conversation. You Like, you know, to her, like, you know, I thought that was interesting because she saw those movies with my husband and I last summer and really, really enjoyed them. But, like, that was, like, her immediate, you know, response is that, you know, like, well, that should be easy because, you know, there aren't that many of them. <laughs> Which is true, and that thus concludes this episode of Blast Points. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. It was really nice for everyone to come listen. Yeah. <laughs> so really, where, where, where should we begin? Should we begin, like, where is the Lost Ark, right the, at the very beginning? Yeah, I think that that's the easiest way to start. I mean, I think that one of the reasons why I became an Indiana Jones fan is because of the character of Marion Ravenwood. And when I saw her... Like, I think that she was really pretty much as important to me as Princess Leia, like at some points when I was growing up, because she just was such this kick-ass woman who, you know, just stood toe-to-toe to to Indiana Jones, you know, didn't take any crap from him and just really, you know, had her own agency and wanted to do what she wanted to do. And I just thought that she was like funny and delightful. I loved all the clothes she wore in the movie, even though the clothes are like completely ridiculous in that film. But like, I mean, I mean that as a compliment. (laughs) Like, I mean, I think that like you could write a fashion dissertation about like what Marion is wearing in Raiders of the Lost Ark because like it's such interesting choices. But I think that what's interesting about Marion is that like, it's a role that I think she really enjoyed playing. Like she, when I was looking at some of like the history of, you know, like making of these films, she talked about how she was able to talk to Steven Spielberg about you know, making some changes and, you know, they talked about adding a little bit of extra banter. I think that she really, Karen Allen brought a lot of things to that role. But I think that if you ask people, what do you know about the making of Raiders of the Lost Ark when it comes to Marion Ravenwood? I think that a lot of people know about, and I can't remember if it was just like, I can't remember where this conversation came out, but it was a conversation between a lot of the men who were making it where they were just kind of like talking about how, young Marion should have been when she and Indy had their first kind of romantic, you know, like moments. And it seemed like, you know, everyone thought that it was like cool to have her be younger and younger and younger, which is obviously, you know, that's the creepy part. <laughs> like, yeah. 
why would you, why, you know, why would you do that? Why is that like, you know, like, Ooh, like, you know, he, you know, that would be like a really cool thing. And I think when you look at the making and like the first kind of drafts of Raiders of the Lost Ark, one thing that sticks out is that it was a little bit more sexualized. Like Indiana Jones was sleeping with one of his students. Like that is in the novelization. It was in, you know, he was a little bit more of a playboy you know, there were even some talks of Marion being a prostitute when she was in Nepal and not being a bar owner um, or like that that was like part of her history. Um, and so it really kind of, you know, it, it's, a, it's a little bit different than, you know, when I was a kid was looking at Marion and just thought that she was really cool. <laughs> right. But I actually I'm going to like, you know, I'm going to get all geeky and I'm going to read a very short part of the novelization, which I think kind of gives you the idea of like what how Marion was portrayed in this this relationship which right now I think everyone would agree is just kind of like, why would you do that? And he refers to it as the weakness. He's like, why couldn't you have been strong back then? Why did you have to get so carried away, so involved with a kid? But then she hadn't seemed like a kid, more a child woman, something in her eyes and her look suggesting more than a girl going through adolescence. And that's really, you know, like that's from the novelization. And, you know, I wish it wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, you learn these things and you're just like, like, why is, you know, like, why is that? And I think that after the first film, they kind of thought, like, will Marion come back? I think she was a very popular character at the time. Would she come back? And they kind of made the decision that they would have a different woman in each of the Indiana Jones films. And it's kind of like a little bit James Bondish, you know, I think that like, but like, you know, the movies aren't like heavily sexualized, but it is like, you know, every time he sees a woman, like, you know, for the most part, until the fourth film, with Kate Blanchett's character, like she's the first main female character that like doesn't want to kiss him basically <laughs> like as soon as she sees him and, you know, Harrison Ford's very attractive. So like, I understand why, you know, most people would want to kiss him, but it's interesting looking back um, about that. Like, and when I looked at the Marion Ravenwood uh, wiki entry on like the Indiana Jones wiki, it's interesting because basically it's like, well, she's the daughter of this person and she later becomes the mother of this person is married to this person. But like, it doesn't like, who is she, you know? And I think that I, I think that I haven't even realized how much I, how little you actually know about what is Mary, like, what has she done in her life? Like, what is she, like, what does she want to do? What are her passions? Like, she really is just kind of, she's a great character in Raiders of the Lost Ark, but she also is literally kind of a prize that Indiana Jones and Balak end up fighting over in that film. I mean, the whole Belloc like thing with Marion and the dress, like giving her that white dress to me, like is one of the most hilarious things. Like when I look at where I'm like, why would they like, what is that even about that white dress? But like, I loved that white dress and wanted that white dress when I was a kid. And it's weird because it's briefly mentioned in the Rensler's book in some of the story notes. And you can find the transcript of the, the whole story conference. But like I think, like as a kid, like going to see Raiders of Lost Ark, I, at least as a little kid, I always just thought they were kind of the same age. Oh yeah, I totally did too. Like Marion's lines, like I was a child, it was wrong, and you knew it. I, I for some reason that always just like went past me until maybe ten, fifteen years ago or something, where I was like, oh yeah, what are they talking about there? When I think when they've made kind of other, you know, because like Marion continued in some Marvel comics, I think that if you look at the timeline. I don't actually know if there is like 
a true indie canon. I think it got messy. Like, you know, if you're trying to like make sense of the chronology, I think it's not going to work um, from like what I can tell. But I think that, you know, there has been a little bit of an effort to kind of make her a little bit older, you know, just to make, you know, just to try to clean up that, you know, like unfortunateness. Because I mean, I don't think that, you know, like I'm not going to let that kind of creepiness like ruin the movie for me, but like it is something that now kind of, you know, every time I see that, I think also like basically Indiana Jones just calls women kid a lot. Like, I think that that is just something that happens. And I think that, you know, thinking of it in a literal way, then you're just like, Oh no, that's not what I, you know, I thought you were just saying it in like a, you know, sweet nickname kind of a thing and not like you're an actual, you know, an actual kid. Uh, and so I think it would be interesting if they ever did revisit the characters of Indiana Jones and Marion. I kind of wonder if like Indy takes off, like if they ever do have a new movie, I think it's a really interesting story and a little interesting character. And I would kind of like it if they would redo it in a way that wasn't creepy. <laughs> but it is one of the things with Indiana Jones, I think different than star Wars is they're both kind of influenced by the, you know, the Saturday morning serial kind of thing, but the influences of Indiana Jones are less, maybe timeless than like a, a science fiction space thing. So just the fact that it's so heavily influenced by that, that time that those came out, some of the, the bad things from that time, just as far as characterization of women and, and minorities and things kind of unintentionally maybe came into the modern age because they're so tied to their influences. Yeah, absolutely. I think that, you know, and I, you know, this is far from one of the only movies that you look back and you're just like, wow, that's like completely out of line. But I do think it's interesting to, to look at it. And I think that it's, you know, I'm really happy that the character of Marion to me completely holds up though. Like when you're watching the film and that performance holds up, like, and I think it's fascinating to look back at the, the making of because, you know, some of the actresses who auditioned for that role were Jane Seymour, Deborah Winger, Barbara Hershey, Michelle Pfeiffer, Sean Young. I mean, like, really, like, that's like a, that's a blockbuster list right there. Um, it's, it's kind of fun to think about any of those, you know, women being in there. And then when you go back to, like, when I was saying how, I think that the two things that people have heard is that they've heard about that creepy conversation about Marion's age. And then they've heard the story of Gloria Katz watching like a rough cut of the film and being where and saying, where's Marion? Because like at the, the, the version that she saw, um, I think as the story goes is that like, she was, you know, she was tied to the pole, you know, on that Island. And then, you know, you, you, who, who knows what happens to her. And so they added that scene at the end where she's on the steps waiting for Indiana Jones. I think that's interesting because none of the Indiana Jones films had a lot of women working behind the scenes. Kathleen Kennedy was, has worked on all of them. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark seems to be one of her earlier credits where she was credited, at least on IMDb, as uh, an associate to Mr. Spielberg, which I always think is funny because I always wonder when women are credited with like being an assistant or associate, I sometimes wonder if they would have been credited as something else if they were men, <laughs> like in the early 80s. Probably true. Probably true. I was like, was that secretary the production unit manager, <laughs> you know? Uh but Kathleen Kennedy was there. Mickey Herman, who did a, like a ton of things for, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, Lucasfilm and, and Industrial Light and Magic was a production associate at, for Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then one of my best discoveries and someone who I wish I would have known about earlier was a woman named Deborah Fine, who also goes by Debbie Fine. She passed away a couple of years ago, I should mention. 
she used like a, a researcher and she ended up basically starting the Lucasfilm archives, which is like an amazing achievement in and of itself. But um, in the Rensler book, which I really can't recommend highly enough about the making of these films, it mentioned that uh, Lawrence Kasdan, who wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark, hated doing research, which I thought was hilariously relatable. <laughs> I, like, I love doing research, but I'm sure a lot of writers are like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to do it. Like, just give it to me. And she was the one that like did, you know, a large mar- amount of the research for Raiders of the Lost Ark, including looking at the political relationships between Britain and Egypt in 1936, looking at South America at that time, and specifically Hitler's obsession with the occult. And, you know, as she worked on all of the Indiana Jones films, she ended up retiring right around the time Crystal Skull was in production. But she also did a ton of work with the young indie TV series, which I really hope ends up on Disney+. Plus. But um, but I think that having the job of doing research for, you know, what would make sense for Indiana Jones to be searching for, you know, in these films, I think that that would be, I mean, that's like a, a huge dream job. And I just think that, you know, her work on those films, like, I feel like we're never really going to understand how, you know, what, how her work influenced those films. Um, but she, I think, was one of the most interesting women behind the scenes, you know, people that I, that I discovered when I was prepping for this uh, episode. And I never put it together when you posted on your, your 365, I never put together that Deborah Fine was one of the authors on the, the original Star Wars Chronicles book. Yeah, she did. Um, and I don't, that's like one of the books that I have always wanted, but don't have. And she did that after she officially had retired I think because like she had I have a book that is all about like the Lucasfilm archives that is during while she's there and she wrote the foreword to it but then there's this whole other book um that definitely is on my list to someday you know hopefully stumble across (laughs) a used bookstore of someone who doesn't know what they have and (laughs) buy it Uh, but yeah it is it's supposed to be just truly amazing book and so she really you know I wish that she would you know obviously I wish she was just alive just in general, but like, I mean, it would be, I really wish that she could have done more interviews that, you know, are accessible to everyone to learn about her career, because I think she's an amazing woman. After I did the post on her, like I, you know, got some, you know, I got a note from someone who works at Lucasfilm, you know, who, you know, was there and, you know, knew her. And you can tell from some of the notes that I've received how well respected she was. Yeah. It's a, it's a shame because yeah, the, I would love to hear her perspective on everything in that time rares lost Ark, star wars everything starting the archives i mean seriously yeah no i think that you know and she her whole you know even just like working on godfather 2 and apocalypse now for francis Ford coppola like i mean she just had so many interesting things going on that um to me she's like she's the, like she's the star of the of the behind the scenes oh, no, no, no. Oh, oh, We're not going to Delhi, doll. We're going to Pankot Palace. Pankot? I can't go to Pankot. I'm a singer. Oh, I need to call my agent. Is there a phone? Anybody? I need a phone. I'm curious what you guys think of Willie Scott, because my husband and I had an argument about Willie Scott last night. (laughs) I I always liked Willie because Willie reminded me of my sister in a lot of ways. (laughs) If my sister was in riding on an elephant she would be trying to put perfume on the elephant and stuff. So what I think for me too, with Temple of Doom, that whole movie seems much more of a cartoon in a way. And everyone is so kind of over the top and exaggerated that she kind of fits in, in a way, 
then she's more of a caricature than a character. But in a way, everybody kind of is in Temple of Doom more so than Raiders. It, it doesn't quite have the the realism, if you want to say it, of Raiders. It's definitely more of a of a stylized version of Indiana Jones. I totally agree with that. Um, and I I feel like I sh- I feel like I'm meant to hate Willie Scott, but I love her. Uh, and I've always loved her. And my husband was like, what? Like, she's useless and annoying. Like, why? Like, what are you talking about? And I was just like, I don't know. Like, you know, and I really just, I think that she is, you know, she's this exaggerated character, intentionally annoying. She is so much of the comedy in that film, which is a dark, you know, film in general. And I just feel like they really kind of went for it in a certain way. And to me, it totally, it totally works. Like, I think that she is, you know, hilariously annoying and not just annoying. I, I, it was interesting to read Kate Capshaw, who played Willie Scott, you know, I think that she was a little bit blindsided by how people reacted to the, her performance in the film. Cause most people were like, Ugh, like, you know, you're no Marion Ravenwood. Like you're just, you know, complaining and annoying and shrieking and, you know, stuff like that. And she, you know, but that was what she was going for. She was going for a completely different kind of character. And I think it, well, one of the interesting things about her is it really brings out, you know, the funny, you know, way that Indiana Jones relates to women in these films where even if they're super annoying and like driving him completely crazy, like if you get dressed up for dinner, then he's going to be like, oh, you look beautiful. Like, you know, you're a beautiful princess. You know, like, I mean, he just totally like doesn't care, you know, like, oh, like, you know, like, I mean, it's just so funny how like, he's just like, get away from me. I don't want you around. I don't want you around. And he's like, oh, you dressed up. You cleaned up nice. <laughs> like. We should spend the night together. I like Willie because I think that she, you know, she can hang in there. She's, of course, she's a complainer. But, you know, to me, I was completely traumatized by that bug scene uh, where she has to put her hand in there. And I was so proud of Kate Capshaw when I read that she asked if she could have like a Valium or something like that before she got it. I was like, yes, queen. Like that is like amazing. Like I love that she asked for that. And then like Spielberg was talking about how he could like tell that she had taken something and was just like, you know, like let's, let's just dump all the bugs on her real quick, you know, and, like let's just get, you know, get in and out of her. But like, I can't imagine uh, shooting that in any way. But yeah, I definitely, you know, I I like Willie Scott. I when when I one of my favorite scenes in the film is actually the beginning scene where she's dancing awkwardly and just kind of like moving her hands around a little bit and like stumbles on the steps because I just think like, oh my gosh, like I bet all the other people, especially all the other women hate her because she's a star <laughs> and she clearly has no talent like whatsoever. And then when I was reading the Rinsler book, it talked about how she had done dance lessons for several days because she was going to, I think she it was meant to do like, she was meant to actually dance, but that red dress, which is an amazing red sequin dress was so tight. She couldn't move in it. Like she couldn't do anything. And I was like, oh, like, I mean, it would have been interesting if she would have actually danced. Cause to me, like just seeing her like wave around her hands a little bit, like, you know, she seemed like such a half-asser. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that to me, like set up the kind of, you know, it kind of, you know, set up the character, which is kind of, you know, negative, but like also, you know, I don't know. I just kind of find her delightful. And I also think it's delightful that Kathleen Kennedy has an uncredited role as one of the dancers in that sequence, I don't know if you can spot her, uh, but I ran across that, which I remembered seeing like a long time ago. But uh, 
But I think that that is great. I think because one of the interesting things about the all of the Indiana Jones films is that for the most part, male roles are the default and you really just don't see women unless like someone, you know, thought really hard about how like this, like there has to be a woman here. Because uh, in Raiders, like you have like the the women who are like you know the students who are like lovingly look at lovingly look at uh, in the you know Indiana Jones in the classroom, and I like I will die for that woman who wrote "I love you" you know on her. You know, <laughs> I, I I don't have those kind of makeup skills, and so I am really like she is a queen, and I love her, and I want to meet her at a comic con and like get something signed by her, <laughs> get my picture with her. Um, I really like you know love that, but just to go back to Raiders really quickly, like even when you go into the the scene of like running around the the town in Egypt, like there are literally no women at all in that scene. And it's weird when you look, when you, sometimes I go looking for women <laughs> and I'm like, where are they? Like, why, like, why aren't there any women in this scene? Like I get how, like, why there wouldn't be women, you know, digging, you know, in the, you know, digging in the, the sand dunes and stuff like that as much. But it's it's interesting that, I sometimes feel like literally someone has to like think really hard about, you know, like having a woman be in there to like insert, you know, a female character in here and how it's interesting that, you know, the default is always male, which I think is very, very common in a lot of action adventure films because Temple of Doom really doesn't have very many women in it either. There are women in, you know, there are women dancing, there are women in the village, behind the scenes, like the the voice of the little Maharaja was a woman named Katie Lee, uh, which I thought was, you know, kind of interesting. Which that that blows my mind. I never put together that the 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 little Maharaja that 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 it's a woman doing the voice. <laughs> yeah, no, I like and I I actually went back and I listened to it and I was kind of like it was, it's interesting. Uh like because I went like and I you know you know, again, like, you know, this is from IMDb. And I think that it was actually in the Rinsler book too. So I think it actually did happen. But um, you wonder like if like they did the voice and like it didn't end up there or if it is like her voice. But it's interesting because you have to kind of like look to that detail to kind of find some of the women until you get into some of the later films. How will we recognize this Dr. Schneider when we see him? I don't know. Maybe he'll know us. Dr. Jones? Yes. I knew it was you. You have your father's eyes. And my mother's ears. But the rest belongs to you. Looks like the best parts have already been spoken for. Marcus Brody? That's right. Dr. Elsa Schneider. How do you do? Yeah, so Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade... uh, by now, Kathleen Kennedy, um, I can't remember what she was credited for for Temple of Doom, but she was like a, you know, an associate to Spielberg for Raiders. And then by the time you get to Last Crusade, um, she's a production executive and really just goes on, you know, to do bigger and better things from there. Uh, and the main woman in Last Crusade is Elsa Snyder, who is played by Allison Duty. Um, who is an actress that I, you know, I'd have to look up her credits, but like someone who I only associate with this film. Um, I'm not sure how much other acting, you know, she has done, um, but she basically plays, you know, someone who is initially kind of like Indiana Jones's peer, someone who is also looking for the Holy Grail. And then you find out she's a Nazi, but of course she's also a love interest, not only to Indiana Jones, but uh, the father, but Elsa Schneider is, a character that 
I struggle with because I really love The Last Crusade. Um, I think it probably is my second favorite Indiana Jones film, but I don't really like that character. It's not that I don't even like her, but like I don't find her memorable. And so I think that she might be my least favorite uh, main female character in an Indiana Jones film. Uh, I think it's nice that you got a character who was knowledgeable in archaeology and, you know, knew what she was doing, knew, you know, she wasn't, you know, like she wasn't looking to Indiana Jones to be a mentor. She was, you know, she was like right, you know, running side by side to get him. And I think that she kind of was an interesting way of, you know, if Indiana Jones had fewer morals, like, you know, Indiana Jones would never work with the Nazis to get, you know, a prize, but Elsa, but Elsa would, you know, and Elsa, but, you know, both of them would, you know, have romances with people, you know, both of them, you know, seem like fine to have romances, you know, on the way. But she was kind of like a female Indiana Jones character in that way. And I think that it was a great ending for her that, you know, she just couldn't give up the grail at the end. Like she was unable to, you know, stop herself. And so I think she's kind of a cautionary, you know, tale of a character. But for me, she just isn't she just isn't as interesting as I would like her to be. And so I think she might be my least favorite. My big thing with uh, Dr. Elsa Schneider is the, I love Last Crusade passionately. I'll stand up for Last Crusade any day of the week. But the even when I remember seeing it in the theater at the end, when she's hanging in the in the chasm and like Indiana Jones calls her honey. Yeah. I've never really gotten why he still like when earlier in the movie, there's that like, all I have to do is squeeze and all I have to do is scream and all that stuff. Why he's still kind of like, well, I'll save you at the end as she's reaching for the grill herself. I mean, I think that that is like one of his kind of consistent things is that he really is blinded by women that he finds attractive and doesn't necessarily make the, you know, the best decisions you know, when faced with them. I will say that uh, I thought it was very funny that Alison Duty in an interview said that she was asked if she could handle being in a scene with rats. And she said, absolutely. And I mean, and she was like, she did a great job. Like not, I mean, like not a great job for a woman in that rat scene. Like she just did a great job in general with like those rats. Cause like those rats are all over her. Like there's a rat like chomping on her hair when they're like in the water under the tomb. I mean, like, yeah, she just swats it away. She's just yeah. No, I mean, she like was a total badass. So like, I like I, I, that is you know that might be my favorite. I'll just never think because I'm just like, damn. Like, I don't know if I can handle myself around that many rats. One of the interesting things about the Last Crusade too is that there is a, a female Nazi who shows up um, in one of the com- comic scenes where uh, the the jo- Jones guys are. Uh, tied together on a chair, like in chairs and they flip around in the fireplace and then they end up like in a room full of Nazis. And it's, it's a, there's a woman there who, you know, sees them and shrieks and like, it's a very, you know, kind of funny scene where they're like twirling around in this like secret fireplace thing. But when I was like thinking about, you know, when I was kind of rewatching some of these movies, when I knew I was going to be there, I was in like, you know, I don't normally watch films and like, are like, where are the women? You know, there hasn't been a woman for a while. Like, we're like pointing it, you know, but this was like me, like, I was like Leonardo DiCaprio being like, there's a woman, like that meme, you know, like, <laughs> I'm like, look, there she is. Um, but I think that she might be the only woman who, you know, is a Nazi in that, um, in that scene, other than Elsa, because Elsa obviously is, is, is working, you know, with the Nazis. But yeah, I don't think that there are really other 
a lot of the other, like the, the intro with River Phoenix, like I don't think that there are any women there. They do, there is a lot of talk about Indiana Jones's mom, uh, who I think we'll talk about more when we come to the Indiana Jones TV series. Like she is mentioned in there, which I think is important to kind of understand, you know, the dynamic of both Indiana Jones as a man and his relationship to his father. Um, but you never, you never see her. And I don't think you ever see a photo of her even. I think that they just refer to her and how traumatic it was that she died. Um, I think Indiana Jones, I think that if you look at the history, I think he was 13 uh, when his mother died. Which I always love that scene where it's an obsession dad. And no, you know, I've never understood it and neither did mom. And that in that moment, Sean Connery, oh, yes, she did. Only too well. Unfortunately, she always kept it from me. And, <laughs> you know, I, I was just like, this is fascinating. It's a very human moment between the two of them where like the the larger than life hero of Indiana Jones kind of breaks down for a second. I feel like when Spielberg, by the time he got to Last Crusade and he had already made a color purple and he was always already starting to kind of branch out from his summer blockbuster popcorn entertainment thing. It's it's like it's the marriage of the the Spielberg that he later becomes in his career starting to weave into Indiana Jones in that little moment right there. I totally agree. And I think I think this is actually a good time to talk about like so if you look in the Indiana Jones, the series that like when he was younger, like basically the the story is that the family went together on a world tour and that the mother ended up getting scarlet fever and she hid it from her husband. And then by the time the, 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 you know, Indy's dad figured out that she had scarlet fever, it was kind of too late. And I think that it's like, there's some line somewhere in like a book or something or something. It's like, by the time I didn't knew about it, like you, there's only time to mourn her. And so I think that it's interesting, like if you're trying to kind of psychoanalyze, you know, Indiana Jones, like to think about like his mother went on all these adventures and was very supportive of her husband. You know, she ended up dying like he kept on looking for, you know, these, you, these treasures, like it was like an obsession and the father and the son clearly have a different idea of what she felt about his career as an archeologist. And so you do wonder like if Indiana Jones like is just like, well, I don't think I can ever get married or I never want to get married or like, you know, because he doesn't want to repeat what happened, you know, in his own childhood which, you know, isn't an excuse for crappy behavior. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, like, I, th I think it is, you know, interesting. I think that, you know, learning kind of like the, the backstory of all of this. And I think that, you know, what you were talking about, I think that, you know, obviously everyone, when you get older, you learn from life experiences. I don't think that if Steven Spielberg made Raiders of the Lost Ark right now, that Marion Ravenwood would be so young. Uh, I don't think that he was, you know, like some horrible person for doing that either. I think that a variety of people would have done that around that time. I don't think, you know, it wasn't like some something that was like isolated to him. What do you think about the Crystal Skulls movie? What's really interesting then is that all the men who were involved in making that movie and writing that movie um, and directing that movie felt very, very strongly about Marion coming back, which I think, you know, is also worth some psychoanalysis <laughs> because uh, I think it's interesting that they understood that she really was the woman, you know, for Indiana Jones and that maybe it was important for him to have a relationship on screen that was presented in a 
somewhat more kind of like healthy and, you know, adult way. And that like that that would be an appropriate thing for Indiana Jones in that time of his life. Indiana Jones, about time you showed up. Mom! Sweetheart. Mom. What are you doing here? Well, forget about me. Are you all right? Mom. No, man, I specifically told you not no, you didn't. to come Marianne here yourself. Your you never wrote that? Mother. You never said that in any phone calls? Marion Ravenwood is your mother. Oh, for God's sake, Indy, it's not that hard. And I'd completely forgotten that Frank Darabont had written a script for the fourth Indiana Jones movie, which ended up not, you know, working out. I can't even remember um, what the what the, the focus of that script was, but it was in there to bring Marion back. And Steven Spielberg apparently became attached to that idea. Um, George Lucas immediately was, you know, like everyone really who was involved in bringing this like wonderful world and story, you know, together really wanted her to, to come back. And the screenwriter, David Cope, um, He's quoted in the, the Rensselaer book saying, Indy doesn't know it, but she is what he's been searching for during the last 20 years. Uh, and I was joking with my husband that I was like, all of these men, I think, are like, how much do you want to bet that all of these men were like divorced? <laughs> and, you know, like, like looking back in their lives or like, you know, like or had, you know, like, you know, like something. I don't mean to laugh at that, but like, I mean, like, I think it's just very, very, you know, human for both men and women to kind of like, you know, you get to a certain age and you look back and you're like, oh man, like that's what I should have been focusing on. Like this is, you know, the thing, but I think it's also, it's interesting to think that he is a treasure hunter that, you know, what is important, you know, it really is Marion. And it's interesting to look at Raiders of the Lost Ark through the lens of that Marion isn't, you know, like a fully formed woman female character. She just is a prize to be won by, you know, Indiana Jones and Belloc. I think that you can really, you know, watch that movie just looking at like through there, but she really is presented as, you know, a woman who doesn't need Indiana Jones. Like she makes a very big deal when she, you know, comes back into that story that, you know, she had a great life without him and that she thinks, you know, she, she said, even says something like, I think that, you know, I bet you thought I would, you know, be, be ruined without you, which I think is almost kind of a callback to Raiders of the Lost Ark where it's like, oh, like her dad dies and her, you know, boyfriend dumps her. And so she, her life is ruined in Nepal. Like she's stuck there. Like, you know, she's like literally like nothing can happen until Indiana Jones comes back into her life. But that's not what happened. Apparently somewhere in like the, they, they only kind of like briefly talk about it, but like they talk about how Marion and Indiana Jones were going to get married but then they didn't, um, which is a whole other kind of story that they could kind of go back to if they wanted to, I guess. But Marion makes a really big deal about how like she, you know, her life was not ruined after that. She went on to have a great life and, you know, and she got married and she didn't feel like, you know, the need to tell Indiana Jones that she had had a child. But then they do have, you know, a happy reunion. And I think that the Marion and Indiana Jones scenes in Crystal Skulls are just like absolutely delightful. Like I love every single moment that Marion, Marion is on that screen. And I'm really, really happy that they, uh, that they decided to bring her back. I think there was an interview around that time with, with David Cope. Is it Cope or Kep, the, the, the screener? I can never know. I don't know. I should know. I don't know. He was talking about how the scene, the beginning of the jungle chase, how he was stuck with a line 
for Indy to say to Marion, and he reached out to Kasdan, and the, the wonderful, wonderful line. I'm sure I wasn't the only one to go on with my life. There must have been plenty of women for you over the years. There were a few, but they all had the same problem. Yeah, what's that? They weren't you, honey. Supposedly that came from Kasdan. And I love Marion's reaction from that, where she's just sitting there beaming in the back of the truck. Oh, she's totally beaming. Yeah. And that, I feel like, goes to kind of, like we were saying, I think Spielberg, everybody kind of involved is kind of recognizing, hopefully at this time, like, we need to do a little bit better. <laughs> like, Indy isn't the womanizer. Indy's not James Bond. Like, we've gotten past that. I never really watched the movies thinking of Indiana Jones as like a James Bond kind of character. Like maybe it's something in Harrison Ford's performance or it just, that's not really part of like when you, when you name off, like what are the character traits of Indiana Jones? I know it never worked. And I'm kind of happy. They of course didn't do that in Crystal Skull. Yeah, I think that, it, you know, it really is just kind of teased in a couple of, you know, different ways. And I think that, you know, he just is someone who, you know, associates adventure with, you know, having a romantic adventure, which, you know, why not? Like, I mean, it's an escapist story. Like, there's nothing, you know, inherently wrong with that. But, you know, the the Crystal Skulls is interesting because you have the love interest of Marion, which is, you know, an amazing, you know, I think choice. But then you also have Kate Blanchett as, oh, Arena Spalko. I can never remember her name, um, as like the Russian scientist who, you know, has no interest in, you know, in Indiana Jones at all. And, you know, it's the first film that has two really large, you know, female characters in it. And when I was reading the Rinsler book, it talked about how Spielberg initially considered that Indiana Jones's child would be a daughter, but he had just done that in The Lost World, um, like, you know, having someone, you know, find out they had a daughter and, you know, I, you saw my notes where I was like, damn it, it's okay to have two girls in a row, Stephen. Like, you know, why, like, you know, again, it's like, it was interesting because, you know, like, I was like, ah, like, why, you know, if you thought, and I don't know what Steven Spielberg thought, obviously, but like, I do think it's interesting that if he, you know, if he thought, if his initial idea was to give him a daughter, like, you know, couldn't that have been different than that other movie, you know, like, but like, did it just kind of go back to the default of having a male character, you know, be the, you know, the daughter. Cause I think it would have been amazing if it would have been a daughter. Although I do, you know, I, I, I don't have anything specifically against the character, of, you know, of Mutt. Um, but I think it's great to seeing Indy as, as a dad, you know, in that character. I think that my, one of my favorite parts of the entire movie is when he finds out that Mutt is his son. And then he looks to Marion in the, you know, the quicksand, it's not quicksand. They make a big deal about that. I can't think of what it is, but, uh, but he's like, you know, why didn't you like, get him back to school. (laughs) Um, And then she had this great like look of like, Hey Betty, like, you know, why don't you try parenting? (laughs) Well, I love like what you were saying with Indy, maybe not wanting to get married because he doesn't want what happened to his father to happen to him. And I always love at the end of crystal skull where they, they watch the, the UFO fly away and they have that moment together at the top of that hill as like a little family and Indy like somewhere your your grandfather is smiling. And it is kind of like this nice little family now. And it's kind of like, like it's okay for Indy to he's found his treasure basically at that moment, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, no, I think that, you know, because I think that it, it does a nice job of 
just saying that like Indiana Jones like ha- takes Marion for who she is and Marion takes Indiana Jones for like neither one of them asked each other to change neither one of them like really went chasing after each other but it really is kind of more presented of like it's we, you know we're finally together at the right time like we finally have the right timing for this relationship to work and I think that that's one of the reasons why it really does you know, Marion does like send, you know, Mutt to like go find help, but it's not like Marion is like, oh, Indy, help me, help me. Like I'm a, da-. you know, she's not a damsel in distress. She's not like, you know, no one is kidnapped her or anything like that. It just is them kind of genuinely coming together for a shared interest. And I really, I do, I do. I mean, like, it's, you know, it's a bit of a cheesy ending, but, but I'm here for it. Like, I think that, you know. And we'll get to it eventually in Indy year, but uh, I'm, I'm a big Crystal Skull fan. So people can, I like, I, there's a lot of it I love. And I, a little Marion moment in Crystal Skull that I always love, and it's very small, when in the truck, in the jungle chase, when Mutt is fencing with Spalco. And I love how Marion is yelling out to Mutt what moves to do. In there with the fencing, <laughs> and it's kind of hinting at this, like like you were saying, like when Marion is like, "I had a really great life." Like, what is in what was the rest of Marion's story? Like, there should be like an expanded universe, the Marion books, the the history of Marion Ravenwood, pre Raiders, post Raiders, her really great life raising Mutt. I want to know all about that stuff. Yeah, I think it would be a really great idea, too, to kind of go back to that character because I think that, I mean, I just don't know anyone who doesn't love that character, but it's interesting because we just still don't know that much about her. I think a lot of it is just a credit to Karen Allen for just completely nailing that performance. And her performance, you know, when you compare her performance to Kate Blanchett, who had such like this, like she was so devoted to her Russian scientist. And I loved learning in the process of looking at the behind the scenes for this film, like, how she was like, she knew what kind of haircut she was going to have. She knew that like how she wanted to dress, like she wanted to be like, you know, completely covered, like not show any skin and just like, you know, cause she didn't want her character to be, I think that she said that she didn't want her character to be sexy, which is like, sorry, you're Kate Blanchett, like too bad. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, And, you know, she seemed to have gotten really into like doing as many of the stunts as she wanted to. Irina Spalko and Elsa Schneider are not like my favorite female characters. Like I think that Kate Blanchett was really going for like a very specific kind of a thing. And it's very kind of cartoonish and over the top. And I appreciate how much she went for it, but like, I can't really say that. I think that like, I'm not a huge fan of that character, but I am a fan of how, how just, they just went for a specific thing. Um, and I think that, you know, Crystal Skulls does that. Like, it just is like, we're just going to like shoot for the fences in this one direction and you can come with us or you can then, complain about us for the rest of your life. (laughs) And I think that Crystal Skulls really like a lot of it works for me. A lot of it doesn't, but I still really do enjoy it. And you can see in the credits of Crystal Skulls, of course, you got, uh, as I mentioned, Kathleen Kennedy is the executive producer. You have uh, Christy McCosco-Krieger, who is a producer. um, And she ends up working on a ton of uh, Spielberg movies like around this time and now she's like you know west side story which is hasn't come out yet but it's like one of spielberg's newest one like she's a you know been promoted to like you know producing that and so i feel like she's kind of an interesting person to watch you know how that was one of her earlier things and then you can see her career kind of skywalk skyrock skyrocket from there and janet lewin who um was uh visual effects. Um, she worked on visual effects there has gone on to do amazing things um with lucasfilm and now is um like an ILM 
executive. And so you get to see, you know, further on because Crystal Skulls was, I think, 2008, that there are more women that you can kind of like familiar names that you can spot in the credits than you could you could earlier on. I also like that uh, Steven Spielberg's daughter apparently is um, in the diner scene somewhere. I always like it when uh, you can find like real life people in, you know, or like family or friends of like people in the, the different, you know, sets. I always think that's fun. My name is Henry Jones, but my friends call me Indy. For more than 90 years, I've lived the adventures of a lifetime. It all began in 1908 when my mother and I joined my father on his lecture tour around the world. I traveled for nearly two years, and my father's Oxford tutor was hired to guide my education along the way. But I wasn't too anxious to learn. Henry, straight back. I hate her. She's a witch. Although we didn't see eye to eye on everything, we did have the most amazing journeys together. Yeah, so in the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, I don't know how old Indy is in the first episodes. Like, there's two actors that play Young Indiana Jones. It's like one that is maybe, I don't know, I don't know how old he's supposed to be. Younger and then like a teenage Indiana Jones. And in the younger ones, you see Anna Mary Jones, and she really, who is the mother, and she really is kind of like angel woman. Like, she's perfect. Like, she's very, very supportive. She's like, you know, hosting a whole bunch of tea parties while like the boys are out, like going, you know, gallivanting around. I didn't, you know, like, it's been a while since I've seen most of these episodes, but she definitely just seemed to be kind of like presented as perfect, supportive, loving, understanding mother. Um, like that was kind of her, you know, character. And he, the woman that I thought was, you know, much more interesting was Helen Seymour, who was an like an older woman who was the tutor for Indiana Jones when they were on this kind of family adventure of traveling around the world. And what's so funny about that is that like the kid at one point is like, ah, like, you know, like, why are you making me do homework? Like, you're such a loser. Like, you're so like boring. Um, and then five minutes later, like Helen is like scampering up the side of a pyramid with Indiana Jones, <laughs> like in an episode and like, like they're doing some adventuring. And so I think that, you know, she was, you know, an interesting character, but like, I think Anna, the mom died of scarlet fever and Helen ends up later dying of influenza, which I think is very historically accurate that, you know, a lot of people, you know, didn't get over things that, you know, you would be getting over. But in a lot of the young Indiana Jones episodes, like Indiana Jones just, you know, happens to run into extremely famous people <laughs> during extremely famous events. Like that's kind of like the whole idea of this show. And so I, you know, this, you could do an entire episode about, you know, young Indiana Jones and like the women that, you know, he meets. Um, but two of like kind of the main ones that I thought of worth calling out were Nancy Stratemeyer, who is the daughter of Edward L. Stratemeyer. And that is a, a real person who is the author of the Bobsy Twins books, Hardy Boys, Nancy Drew series. Um, she is, Nancy is a bit of young Indy's uh, high school sweetheart. Um, like I was watching an episode where they were like going to prom. Yeah. And so, you know, she really is like the girl next door. And then he runs off on an adventure and comes back into town and finds out that Nancy has married Butch, who is like the rival, like the jerk in the town. And I'm like, oh, Nancy, like, well, you know, 
<laughs> like, why'd you have to marry the jerk? You know, but, uh, but I think that that kind of, you know, is, you know, it's an interesting kind of storyline that I think goes around is that Indy, you know, has a romance with someone, but then he really is so drawn to do, you know, he really, he's putting his career first, which I think a lot of people do. And his passion is archeology. span And so like, you know, he finds that like his love of treasure hunting and archaeology really gets in the way of any kind of a personal life. And when he's older, and this is when the older actor plays Indiana Jones, um, Elizabeth Hurley actually plays this character, uh, Vicky Prentice, um, a British woman who's a bus fare collector in London and wrote articles on behalf of the women's suffrage movement. Um, and in this storyline, Indy is going to propose to Elizabeth but he was headed to uh, go fight in a war and she was worried about that marriage would, you know, be stifling for her at that time and, and detract from her plans. Um, And so then they end up don't, you know, they don't get married there. And I think that that's kind of an interesting, I think that you see that a lot with, you know, with these kind of storylines where he like meets someone and like there's an attraction, but like, you know, it just doesn't fit into his life of, of adventuring. We need the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles on Disney Plus. Oh my god, yeah, no, they're really delightful. And but you know what's funny is so you, they are available on YouTube, um, which you know I'm sure people maybe don't want me to say, but uh, what's hilarious about the Indiana Jones things is that like you have this like you have this episode, and then if you are trying to figure out where some of these women are in these episodes, like there was this episode, and then it was re-edited into this episode that has this other name. And then it was repackaged for this DVD with these three episodes. And then it's this other name. And it's like impossible to find anything. <laughs> so, you know, it's on YouTube, but you can't find anything because everything is referred to by like a trillion different names <laughs> when you're looking for the different episodes. And I'm like, yeah, like, you know, please, like, I think that I, I imagine it would just be a huge ordeal to get them onto Disney Plus. And I imagine that there are reasons why they're not there already. Um, but I really do hope that they get them in there because it is a fun show just showing Indy having all of these, you know, it's a fun show that like talks about history, but also is, you know, entertaining. And vitally important with the history of visual effects, but that's a whole nother story. Yes. <laughs> the wild world of Indy expanded universe, right? There's, there's a lot of interesting things going on in there. Yeah, no, and I am by far, I am not an expert on all of this kind of extended universe content, but you can find a whole bunch of like interesting female characters in books and video games and comics. Um, really, there's so much more than I was aware of. Like I had some of them and I had certainly played a lot of the video games, um, but I had no idea that there was a book and it was, it's a book. Uh, so it's one of Rob McGregor's books, uh, Indiana Jones and the Dance of the Giants. Um, and there is a woman named Deirdre Campbell, and she is the first person to actually get Indiana Jones to marry, you know, like she's, she is technically his first wife. Although I, like I wrote in my notes, like, I don't think she's thought to be canon, but again, I have no idea. Like if anything other than the movies is really thought to be canon. And then she just immediately dies. Like she's apparently like a dream woman. Like she's like, I haven't read these books, but like, she's a dream woman in like Dance of the Giants. And then she's killed off in the follow-up that's Indiana Jones and the Seven Veils. She's seriously, like, she dies a few weeks after they get married in a plane crash. And I'm like, dude, like, <laughs> I mean, romance just really doesn't seem to work out for him if it's not Marion. You know, like, I was like, that seems a little harsh. Um, but there is that kind of interesting, you know, dear to Campbell, Campbell. And then 
there were books that were both about Indiana Jones at various times in the timeline. And there were um, some young Indiana Jones books too. Uh, there was a character that popped up in several of them, Elizabeth Lizzie Ravenel. And, you know, I have one of the books and, you know, it, it really, where she goes on an adventure, you know, with Indy. Um, and I think that they're kind of, you know, not, I think that there were some novelizations of some of the young indie series books, but there also were kind of original stories. I really wish, and I hope you guys do an, uh, an episode all about the Indiana Jones video games, because I kind of slightly remember like a lot of them, but I don't remember very, you know, I don't remember a lot of the details, but when I was looking at the women that popped up in these video games, the one thing that was clear is that there were all spies. (laughs) (laughs) Every single one of them. And uh, like that just cracked me up because I was like, you know, Indiana Jones, the staff of Kings, you know, Margaret Grace Maggie O'Malley, which is a great name just to say out loud, uh, was a spy working for British intelligence that met Indiana Jones while searching for the staff of Kings. Um, Indiana Jones and the Emperor's Tomb. Uh, Mai Ying was a Chinese secret agent, um, like, you know, working for there. And then my favorite, and this is the game that I remember the most of, is Fate of Atlantis. You have Sophia Hapgood. Um, is the heroine and the player's sidekick in Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. And she is both archaeologist, spy, and psychic. I uh, mean, she's amazing. And I really would like Sophia Hapgood. I would like there to be more Sophia Hapgood um, content. Um, she's also in the Fate of Atlantis comics. Um, and I bought one of the, like, yeah, I used this episode to, like, go a little crazy on eBay uh, with some Indiana Jones content that I did not own. And, you know, Sophia Hapgood, like I haven't like uh, I've mostly kind of like skimmed. I haven't had a chance to dive in as much as I would like, but she is a really like, seems like a really, you know, fun character. And I mean, how can you not be a fun character when you are both archeologist spy and psychic? She's all over those, those dark horse uh, post last crusade, right? I think they came out post last crusade. I mean, yeah, I mean, she was in quite a bit of, like, uh, of the things. Uh, and so, like, I really think that she is a fun uh, character if you're not familiar, you know, with her. And I think that she's, you know, she, again, I think what I really like, I think that there's, you know, there's plenty of times you can just look at the Indiana Jones. It's really easy to be like, oh, my God, there weren't very many women in it. They were totally backwards, like, blah, like that. Like, that was just garbage. But, like, I don't feel that way whatsoever. Like, I absolutely love these films. I think it's interesting to kind of look and see where women are and aren't. But what I will say about all of the main characters is that I feel like all of them are strong women. All of them were interesting women. And yes, even Willie Scott, even though she's super annoying, like I still feel like she held her own. None of them were really like chasing after him. Like if anything, he was chasing after, you know, them. And so I think that when you you can certainly look at a lot of other films, both at that time and just in that genre. And I think that Indiana Jones overall has, did a better job with a lot of their main female roles. And I think that's one of the reasons why I, you know, I like the films, because if you just have like super annoying, you know, characters, then, you know, that's obviously harder to, to latch on to, especially if you're like a little girl, like watching, you know, like looking for adventure films. And I think that in the extended universe, like he, you know, they really he's paired up with people who are a little bit, I think that Sophia Hapgood is a little bit more like Marion where she's just like, no, no, no. Like, you know, and you know, or like Elsa, like in like the, I'm your peer, you know, like I'm not here to like, you know, you're not here to rescue me. Like I, you know, we're, we might be going after the same thing or we're going to team up because it's for our own self-interest. So soon in the future, possibly if we're lucky, 
there is going to be an Indy 5. And as far as we can tell, it's maybe going to take place in the 1960s. So do you think Marion's going to be in it? And how would you like to see Marion or what other women could be in that film? I know. I really do hope that we get this film. <laughs> like, I feel like you, I'm like, do I need to like knock on something or throw some salt over her shoulder to like make it happen? I, I do hope that Marion is in it. I really just hope that she would just be who she has been in the films. Like I, I really do like the portrayal of Marion in the films. I think I have my only issue with the character of Marion is I, you know, it's too bad that she was so young, like in that, you know, the, the history of the character, but I think it would be great to have a couple of different women in there. I think having like at least, you know, what you want for if you're looking for like female representation or representation of everything is that you want a whole variety of characters. You want like them to be not just a love interest, but like a hero or a villain. Um, I would love to see someone else uh, be a woman who knows about archaeology, um, who could be a bit more of a peer, but like, you know, not evil maybe because like, you know, Elsa like ended up like being that, but I just would, you know, just any kind of variety uh, like would be, would be great. If I don't get variety, like then just give me Marion. <laughs> it turns out that Marion, you know, like, you know, people like sometimes ask you like with Star Wars, it's like, well, was, you know, was Princess Leia enough for you to become a Star Wars fan for the original trilogy? And I'm like, well, obviously it was enough. Like, and like, I would like more, but like, you know, she was a very special character. And so like, and I, you know, when I grew up, it was basically, it was Princess Leia, it was Marion Ravenwood, it was Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. Like, that was my trio. Like, those are the women, the female characters that really, really called to me when I was a kid. Um, and so I think it would be fun. It would be great to see her at different, you know, stages of her life. And, and I hope that, you know, they continue to, to write her so well in the films. And it's, there's so many interesting things they can do with putting Indiana Jones in the 1960s. And, you know, one thing is just that in, if they follow history, of course, that culture's changing. Yeah, well, I mean, and obviously, like, I mean, to me, the most obvious thing, which I haven't said, uh, is that it would be nice to see a woman that wasn't white. Like, I mean, it would be nice to see more diverse characters in the Indiana Jones universe and not, you know, people of color who are just there as like, you know, a stereotype or, an, you know, an exaggerated kind of myth or, you know, like, but just were... I mean, characters like Sala, where, you know, like you, you know, you get to know them and like they're a true, you know, character in the film. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I have to I have to think that that will happen. But Amy, seriously, this is my my head is spinning with all this information. I love it. Yeah, no, it's fake because like, you know, now I'm like feeling all precious about Indiana Jones. And I'm like, I want you to all know that I love Indiana Jones. Like, even if I'm, like you know, <laughs> poorly about some of it, but like, it's funny because like, I, I have a hard time actually. And I do this with star Wars too. I have a hard time looking at it critically um, because I do love these stories so much. Like they mean so much to me. Like they were such a part of my childhood. Um, but it is kind of interesting to look back and be like, why did they do this? Like, why didn't they do, you know, this? And I think that, you know, I don't think that, the lack of women in the film was anything like they were, you know, they felt very strongly that there shouldn't be women in film, I, the women in film. I think it just really was more kind of like they felt like they needed a reason to put women in the film. And I think that that is really common. I actually felt that way during the first season of The Mandalorian a lot where I was like, hmm, like, you know, a whole bunch of these people could be women, but they're not. <laughs> is it because they didn't have to be? 
I think it's very, you know, that it, it, I think that can happen very, very easily on a lot of, a lot, a lot of sets that like, unless the character has to be a woman, it will immediately default to being a man. But it is nice to see with a series like indie because it, the production is spread over such a large period of time, at least kind of being to see that there, there is progress and people are slowly getting better at this. And as the movies went on behind the scenes, the amount of women has gone up and on the screen, the amount of women has gone up and it can always be better, but at least, you know, there is some, there's some progress here (laughs) a little bit. Well, and I mean, honestly, like, and you know, Crystal Skull wouldn't, it wouldn't have worked to bring Marion back if she wouldn't, wouldn't, if she wasn't such a great character to begin with. Like they really, like they had that solid, you know, introduction of a really amazing and original character and i think that that really served the entire trilogy well and it was more than a trilogy i guess now there's four and there should be five saga let's call it the indie saga <laughs> well that was everything i hoped it would be and i feel like i learned so much and I really want to go back and read those Dark Horse comics with archaeologist, spy, psychic. Yeah. I mean, seriously, we can't thank Amy enough for that. That was just amazing, incredible. Like I said, everything we hoped it would be and then some. And yeah, I'm just like, I'm like floored. I'm I'm like dizzy. Like, I feel like we were just at an all-you-can-eat Indiana Jones buffet and I went way too crazy. (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, and you go to like, like an all you can eat buffet and you're really hungry and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to eat everything. And then you get done with the first plate and you're like, Oh, like it's, I'm just going to go to the salad bar. It's not going to be a big deal. And then you end up with a plate full of cold cuts and blocks <laughs> of cheese. You fill up a soup bowl with chocolate milk. Weird things are happening. That's where we're at right now with Indiana Jones and what, what Amy was able, the information Amy was able to give to us. So if you enjoyed that, you've got to check out Amy's stuff. 365 Star Wars. We're going to put the links in the show notes where you can check out her site. She's done a lot of indie stuff lately. And we will put the link to where you can purchase her book, I Love You, I Know. If you don't already know about it, you should know about I Love You, I Know. Amy's incredible. That was incredible. Yeah, we were lucky that uh, Amy was able to come on the show and spread some Indiana Jones knowledge with the world and indie year will be back in another month and it's been way i knew this was going to be fun doing indie year but it's exceeding my expectations every month so and we've got more excitement coming as the year goes on Indeed, Lucas and Spielberg have carefully crafted a $20 million recreation of a Saturday matinee thriller, which seems to have hit right on target with the public. There was a lot of excitement in there, and uh, it was a lot of action, you know, it was never a dull moment in the movie. We need more movies like this, complete escapism, and you can still have fun and laugh and enjoy the whole thing. I think people are ready for it. They're ready just to get into a movie and not have any heavy message. He's a hyped up movie made by robots for robots. All these people are like sheep coming in, you know.
world, and they're all being scalped for five dollars a piece. We don't want to go to movies and see all about everybody else's screwed up lives. You know, I'm not interested about you and your troubles with your wife. I want to go in there and see snakes running up your leg and all sorts of fun things like that. podcast reviews if you listen on some sort of apple thing when you're done listening to this go over there write a little something nice about the show it brings warm feelings to our hearts and we will read your review on an upcoming episode soon sometime soon i know it's going to happen soon and make sure you check out our website blastpointspodcast.com And follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And if you're on Facebook, make sure you're a member of the Super Chill Group. If you want to support the show in a different way, we have got the Blast Points Army on Patreon, where either it just happened or it's about to happen, our second installment of our massive breakdown of each 10 minutes of the Phantom Menace documentary at the beginning is about to post or just did post with a very special guest. And... Starting in May, that's going to be the home for our weekly Bad Batch review episodes. So lots of things happening over there with the Blast Points Army. But that about wraps up episode number 260 here of Blast Points Indie Year. Amy Rikau, the women of Indiana Jones. We need young indie on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> the old Dark Horse indie comics need to come back out. Is an indie renaissance happening? And maybe we're the only ones feeling it. I don't know. But I feel like there's something going on. We never thought that Ewok movies would be on Disney Plus and it's happening. So (laughs) true. Happy thoughts. Keep them coming. True. Speaking of next week's episode, number 261, it's not Ewok movie related, but, but somehow Ewoks will return. We're revisiting, I think, an episode from year one of Blast Points and doing a follow up with, uh, with all the Ewok action happening on Disney Plus very soon. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a good time. It's gonna be great. <laughs> Pray for us. So <laughs> So that'll be next week. But yeah. Thank you, Amy, and thank you everyone for listening. And yeah, we'll talk to you next week. Bye bye. Anything goes. Henry Jones, Jr.